tell me a little bit about who you are and why you're running. Well, um, I'm a longtime Michigan resident, uh, born here, grew up here. Um, I own a business out in Grand Rapids. Um, been involved with the Libertarian Party for over 20 years. I'm a two-time chairman of the party and uh, done most of the other jobs along the way. And uh, so uh, I was intimately involved with uh, Gary Johnson and his campaign. And uh, once we had achieved major party status, uh, you know, myself and others sat down and we made some decisions about, you know, the kind of transitions that we would have to make as a party, uh, rearranging our whole schedule, how we do things and our bylaws and all of that. Um, and uh, out of that, you know, it was decided that I would probably be the best person to step forward. And, and I was the first person to qualify for the ballot when I filed on March 8th. One of the things that you have in common with uh, John Tater, the other uh, libertarian candidate, is uh, you both went to Wayne State. What makes you the better of the two candidates who are running for your party's nomination? Well, I, I don't I don't really like to talk about it quite in that way. I've I've talked with John and I, you know, I respect him. He's run for office for us a few times. Um, I've been much more involved in the party. I, I think I have a better grasp of the breadth of all the different things that libertarians stand for. But most importantly, um, I've spent 20 years studying and really becoming more familiar with the workings of Michigan government. And, you know, I have a plan. I encourage people to come to my website, which is cometogethermichigan.org. And I think that that website alone speaks volumes to the voters because uh, I chose it very carefully. Come Together Michigan is really what we need to do if we're going to solve some of our problems. And I think I have a, a better grip on where to go with that. Well, let's uh, start there uh, with uh, the plan that you have. Uh, why why vote Libertarian? Why vote specifically Bill Jelano? Well, you know, I think a lot of folks are very frustrated with the system. Obviously, we've got a number of proposals, including this thing for gerrymandering and other matters. Uh, where people have come to realize that, you know, I, I talk about how the, the two parties, the two older parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, they act very much uh, like gangs, like the Bloods and the Crips. They even have the same colors, blue and red. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that the thing about gangs is, you know, they don't worry a whole lot about other people. They cause a lot of problems. Um, they protect each other. And, and along the way, um, our taxpayers and, and the, what people want um, gets lost in the mix. And, and I think I offer something different. Our listeners identified four issues that uh, they consider highly important to, in this election. We've been uh, taking a deeper dive into some of those as uh, part of a series called Policy Meets the People. Those uh, issues include education, water quality, transportation, and gerrymandering. Uh, we'll take them individually, starting with schools. If you were governor... How would you improve Michigan's education? Well, um, first of all, I think uh, people like myself who uh, have a broad knowledge need to surround themselves with good people. And I think one of my most important skill sets that I've learned along the way, not just as a small businessman, but someone who's actually worked for a Fortune 500 company and had a lot of responsibility, is to pick good people. The, the second thing is, you know, where's the money going to come from? And I've actually advocated a budget that doesn't require large increases but actually makes better priority choices. And the first of which is the destruction of the what is called the strategic uh, fund, which is a large part of the Michigan budget. Um, and specifically, I just give you some, one program that really irks me, and that's Pure Michigan. Mm -hmm. and, and I've referred to that as Pure BS. <laughs> and, and why I do that is that, you know, what we're talking about is Chamber of Commerce stuff, where the ordinary taxpayers who may be struggling to put food on the table or just get to their jobs are forced to pay into this this account, which is designed to help people, you know, attract people to the lakeshore or Grand Rapids or anywhere else. 
and and it's just simply not a function of government. And so um, I think that redirecting some of those monies into more important priorities like schools, and, and specifically to answer your question most directly, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the money comes from. Um, and there's a lot more there, by the way, uh, up to a billion dollars that I believe can be saved. Um, that's being wasted in your view on other things like that. Sure. Uh, you know, you know, we, we, we pass a law. Out, I live out in Grand Rapids where there's a very nice building called uh, the Pyramid. It was a former uh, a building for Steelcase Corporation, and they no longer had any use for it. And uh, the state legislature, the Republican legislature, you know, who always talks about crony capitalism, passed a law specifically to give Switch these tremendous tax benefits. And, you know, along the way, needs like schools get neglected. And uh, I remember when I went to public schools here in Michigan, um, we had um, a lot more counselors. And right now we have about one third the number of counselors per student is what we had in the 70s. That's one area that I think needs a lot of improvement. There are a lot of pressures on kids, and I think that's that's something that I've identified and, and academics have too. How would you ensure that Michigan has safe, clean drinking water? Well, uh, th- that's a tough one to answer in a minute, but... Um, that's fine. I encourage people to go to my website. I've written two extensive treaties on environment. They're labeled uh, Environment 1 and Environment 2. Um, but the most important element of that is holding corporations responsible for the things that they do wrong. And uh, one, of, one of the aspects that I think is important is that we raise the, the limited liability limit on corporations so that when bad things happen, they can be prosecuted. The second thing is that we should mandate that they carry sufficient insurance. And what that leads to is best practices so that perhaps we might look at something like line five and uh, the insurance industry would say, here's what you need to do to ensure that we do not have an economic disaster. And then the third piece is um, there's a little-known tax that exists. It's called the industrial facilities tax. And I imagine it being reapplied, and I would argue for that to get the legislature to get off the dime and uh, pass that. It's a what I believe is a fairly modest uh, tax reform that would ensure that we have the funds to clean up the currently 7,000 toxic sites um, out in West Michigan, we have Hooker Chemical. Uh, here on the east side, I live downriver, the former BASF site. Some of those things have been done with federal money, but as you know, there's limits to that. And so I think we need to pro- be proactive to make sure things are, are cleaned up. You came over here uh, from Grand Rapids, uh, which means you had to probably drive on our roads uh, so you know uh, the shape that our roads are in. Uh, how would you fix them? Well, you know, part of that is it's it's sort of a, another we're spending money in the wrong places. Michigan has about 30 percent more people in prison than our surrounding states, Ohio, Indiana. And, and I've just said, you know, Mich- Michigan people are not more criminal than those Buckeyes are. What it, what it really comes down to is um, we have a prison culture in Michigan, and it's particularly with respect to the drug war. Mm-hmm. So um, I've certainly worked hard uh, for medical marijuana back in 2008, and uh, I'm working hard for recreational legalization. Uh, but the big thing is to change our priorities for our law enforcement, that they focus on criminal behavior and, and not the drug war if we can reduce our prison population, we're going to move $750 million would be available that we could fix roads and other infrastructure needs we have in Michigan. Do you think gerrymandering is a problem? And if so, what ought to be done about it? Uh, I do. Um, I'm going to vote for the, the proposal that's on the ballot. Um, it's not perfect. Um, again, uh, many of the aspects of it um, underline the, the false belief that we have a two-party system in Michigan. Um, as a libertarian, 
I've certainly advocated for ourselves and others to be in the marketplace of ideas. Um, I'd like to see us move in the direction of what New Hampshire has, which is much, much many more part-time people working in the legislature. Um, a lot of the problems in Michigan stem from how we've organized our, our legislature. And gerrymandering is just one tool. The Democrats and Republicans have both used it. They've abused it. And uh, I'd like to see other systems considered. When you talk about part-time legislature, in a way, it's already part-time. I mean, they work uh, three days a week in Lansing when they're in session. They're not in session all year. Uh, and with the term limits, too, what we're finding out is that when you have people with less experience spending less time working in state government, it doesn't uh, necessarily produce the best policy. Agreed. I, and and uh, both our party, uh, generally, and myself, um, I'm against term limits. I do think you need experienced people. But I think one of the things about the committee system in particular is we've put an awful lot of power in the hands of very few people, and the lobbyists know exactly who to talk to. Um, and, and I do encourage people to look at New Hampshire. It's not perfect, but it's better where you have many more people in the legislature and people who are more in tune with what it, what the public wants. And um, so it, it, there's different models. I, I believe in proportional representation. I'd like to see the legislature, if, if in the last election, Libertarians had a proportional representation, we would have had four people in the legislature. That would have changed some things. I'll ask you a sort of philosophical question. Uh, what do you view as the proper role of state government and what would your governing style be like? Well, I think one of the things that separates me from not just my opponent, but many libertarians in a sense, is that I believe we have to earn a, a spot at the table first. Um, and so I've proposed a series of, of reasonable compromises and changes in, in, in government um, to um, underline the fact that I do agree with uh, some of the things that Republicans talk about but don't do. My number one proposal outlined on my website is called Drop the Cap. And uh, I had the good pleasure to know uh, Dick Headley, who was the father of the Headley Amendment. And I, you know, for folks who want to get wonkish, they can go to Article 9, Section 26 of our Constitution, which is one element of that. And that limits the amount of money that can come into the state. I've proposed that that drop by 10% which would still put us $5 billion above what our current budget is. Um, but it does send a message to the investment community that we're not going to be like California or New Jersey, and they can bring their business here, and they're not going to be taxed inordinately. And what that will do, obviously, is help people get better jobs and have more opportunities, and that's a big part of what I'm about. I don't want to get too far afield here, but uh, when you bring up the Headley Amendment, uh, it, it also limits the amount of money that local governments can take in as far as property taxes go. They have to, if they if they want to levy uh, the, the full millage, uh, the law automatically rolls millages back, I believe, and then you have to have a Headley Amendment override vote uh, uh, on some occasions. And what we've seen, one could argue, uh, is that uh, it's it sort of hamstrung local governments uh, in their ability to do things. Well, again, the other one of the things that I've felt is really important is that I be very well educated about how these various things work. And that particular aspect of, of Headley has to do with the changes we made with Proposal A. And so the two working together have created a bit of a monster. Um, I've proposed that we reform Proposal A. Uh, it is one of the things that has caused problems for funding for our schools, not so much for, for civil jurisdictions, but for schools specifically. And that reform um, could create a situation where there'd be a more even distribution of funds. Um, I'm very offended by the fact that you have rich districts and school districts, which are locked into law. And that's what Proposal A did for us. 
You talked a little bit about uh, uh, recreational marijuana and the uh, cost of the drug war. Uh, Voters are going to decide in November whether to make recreational marijuana legal in Michigan. Uh, We already have uh, legal medical marijuana. Uh, Do you support uh, the proposal? I do reluctantly. I have I have two criticisms of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that um, it has an excise tax, and and that's going to lead to a very high priced product, which is going to mean we'll still have underground marijuana being sold. And so I, I think that's a mistake. Uh, the second thing is I have advocated. I'm the only one in the race that ha- is of any party um, that if elected, I would pardon all the people who have been convicted of a drug offense that didn't in concert with that commit a violent crime. So. Uh, you've got a lot of kids, especially, who have low-level possession, uh, and it duns their careers. Uh, it can limit where they go to work. It limits their college choices. Um, I, I think that this particular aspect of the drug war has been incredibly destructive. It affects people of color more, and I have concerns in all of those areas, and, and I would change things. Immigration is a national issue, obviously, uh, but in Michigan it's also a state issue. We're a border state. Uh, we border Canada. Governor Snyder has uh, said immigration has been good for Michigan. He encourages it. Uh, President Trump uh, has been critical of not just illegal immigration, but immigration in general, at least in Europe, if not here. Uh, he's talked about uh, how the, the negative effects he says it has on culture. Uh, what kind of immigration policies would you have if you were governor? Well, first of all, you know, I do recognize that a governor is uh, not the federal government. Right. And, and the federal government really is responsible for immigration policy. Now, to the extent that we need to cooperate, for example, I've called for the destruction of ICE. I think it's uh, we ought to start over. Certainly there needs to be some way in which we, and we always have had, uh, a naturalization service. But ICE in particular has poor, very poorly executed the, the law and has really demonized the, the government. So I'd like to see that come to an end. But the other aspect of this that I've talked about um, really extends not just to uh, the border, where uh, President Trump has called for sending the National Guard to the border, um, but the National Guard in general. I, I'm the only candidate who's talked about the fact that the governor is the commander-in-chief of the National Guard. And um, I, in one of my roles um, years ago, I was responsible after 9-11, uh, raising and lowering of the flag every time someone from Michigan uh, was killed. And it really affected me. And I said, if I ever was in a position to change things, I would. And uh, I would defy an order of a Republican, Democrat, or any other president that was putting our men and women into harm's way that did not have the assent of Congress, which is required under the statute. So if there was a declaration of war or a national emergency, that is the only circumstance in which the president can take command of the National Guard. And I would fight that. And I was very pleased when the governor of Oregon recently, when President Trump talked about sending the National Guard down to the southern border, said that she would not cooperate either. And it it really highlighted the fact that this is a relevant issue that we need to talk about. Michigan's government is considered to be one of the least transparent uh, among all states, uh, if not the least. Uh, how would you make it more transparent? Well, I think FOIA is, it needs to be expanded. Um, I, I don't think, you know, sometimes we personalize too much of what transparency means, and we want to know how much everybody's making. Like, that really matters. I think that that's a mistake. But in terms of the process, again, a lot of what goes on in, in the committee structure um, how that information is disseminated and made available. You know, we have tremendous technologies now online and otherwise where ordinary folks ought to be able to search for these things and ought to be able to find them. 
Um, it should not be horribly expensive. And of course, you know, over the last couple of years, we've gone through a, a tremendous criticism of the media. And, you know, the media is, uh, should be the friend of, of the public, which provides information so that people know what's going on in their own government. And we shouldn't have things hidden. Um, you know, this is part of what went on in Flint and what caused the problems up there. And uh, I think more daylight is always good. Uh, information helps people make better decisions. And what would your tax policies be? Well, first, I know that's a that's a, that's a broad question, but it, it certainly is. And you know, one of the things that uh, too often I think people uh, they they talk about being governor like they're going to be a king. Um, I hear a lot of ads that are running now about how I'm going to do this. Um, I know how to work with people. I think one of the best skill sets I have. And I've gotten to know over the last 20 years many of the people that are in government, Democrats, Republicans alike, people who have more independent thinking, and people from different backgrounds, whether they're in agriculture, urban. Um, I, I believe that when you sit down and talk to people, we can, we can come to some agreement. I do support the libertarian platform to repeal the income tax, but it's not a high priority for me. I think the, that if we can drop the cap of the, of the amount of money coming into government, then we can start to make some better decisions. But I, th I think as a libertarian, if given the opportunity to govern, we can earn the opportunity to then do some of those other things. Anything that you want to add we haven't talked about? Well, I, again, I, I hope people will go to my website, uh, which again is cometogethermichigan.org. Um, I've spent a lot of time working with academics and others to try to uh, present a comprehensive plan. And uh, some of those ideas, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I've talked uh, about that really differentiates me from my opponent in the primary, um, you know, he's against uh, smart meters. He probably talked about that. A uh, little, yeah, a little. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm for analog freedom, um, but really I'm not just for smart meters. I'm for really smart meters. And why that's important is I would like to see us uh, implement uh, a feed-in tariff. And for people who aren't familiar with what that is, um, folks who have um, uh, clean energy systems, whether they be solar or, or uh, wind energy or any, any other thing, can feed that back into the net and actually get a small premium for doing so. Um, they've done this extensively in Germany and other parts of Europe. And what it's created is a much more stable grid of electricity. And if we're ever going to get to electric cars and some of the other things that are, that are going to help us maintain our, our standard, um, we're going to need to be able to do a lot more. How do you do that without being too intrusive uh, in people's homes and on businesses? Well, I, I think that's one of the great uh, lies that somehow these smart meters are controlling everything in someone's home. They're just simply a device to measure what's going in and out. And uh, it, this has been done very well, and I think um, the, the testimony of, of how that has developed, and it's really 15 years old uh, in Europe, and, and this is how they've created more energy independence. And it is one of those things where, you know, we, we look at all the different opportunities and, and choices that we make. And so to keep the oil flowing, we've gone to fracking, and, and we know some of the problems that that's created. So, you know, I've looked at the choices that are available and said this would be a way to inspire entrepreneurial uh, visions, whether it be homeowners or businesses who can sell back to the net and actually create a much more stable system. We've only built one new power plant up on Clinton River in the last 20 years. And as we're uh, decertifying a lot of the coal plants around the state, we really need to look at capacity. So if we're ever going to get to clean energy and clean cars and all those kinds of things, 
we have to expand our capacity, and I believe the feed-in tariff is the way to get there.